You're listening to episode 219, Functional Nutrition and Health Testing with Nicole Herms. And so food is not what it used to be. And there's a lot of misconceptions about food and what's healthy and everything, but really we're not as a, you know, as a human, as the human race or as Americans, particularly, we're not getting the nutrients we need to prevent degenerative disease from food period. And, And most people think we are. This is the dance of life. My name is Tudor Alexander, and we are going to go on a journey to hack your mind, body, and soul for living your best life yet. Tune in every week to learn something new, grow, and get inspired as we discover the secrets of success and practice the art of fulfillment. And if it's one thing I hope you learn from today, it's that your life is a dance. And just like any dance, you can learn to dance it well. everybody welcome to the show life in all its fullness is mother nature obeyed as a quote by dr weston a price if you don't know who that is he's a uh, famous doctor in the alternative field he did a lot of experiments with root canals on rabbits this was i think back in the early 19th or 20th century 1900s i mean very interesting stuff i mean it's a lot of actually i have some of his stuff in my upcoming book Uh, Some of the research that he did on it's, you know, not the best research. He transplanted root canals under the skin of rabbits and basically was shown that there's bacteria. At the time, they didn't have all the tools we have now, but he was one of the first to really suggest that, hey, root canals may not be a healthy thing. You know, they they may be associated to all kinds of diseases and problems because of their tendency to have bacteria. So very interesting character. But really, you know, what it points to this quote is, Life in all its fullness is Mother Nature obeyed. When we are in alignment with nature, everything just flows naturally. And I I can totally resonate to that quote because that's exactly how I like to think. And today, my inspiring guest, as we go into the world of health and nutrition, is Nicole Herms. She's from SpectraCell Laboratory. Uh, If you don't know what SpectraCell is, SpectraCell is the company that does this particular micronutrient testing that I've talked about quite a lot on this show. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're ahead of their games, a fantastic company. So Nicole works in the research and marketing, and she helps physicians implement various diagnostic lab testing into their practices. She's always been interested in the chemical nature of things. She studied chemistry, the Bachelor of Science, and uh, she got her MBA and started her career in plastics. But after a few years, she realized she was more interested in nutrition and actively approached SpectraCell in 2004 because she found their micronutrient test really fascinating. And it's actually, it is a really fascinating test. And I actually met Nicole through a chance phone conversation uh, just to ask some questions about this test. And so they referred me to Nicole. And so I started talking to Nicole. And as we started talking about this test, I was like, oh my God, I need to hit record on this phone uh, because this would be a great podcast episode. I'm like, can you please, you know, can we do this again? Can we have an episode on this? So very grateful to have Nicole on the show, if you want to learn more about the SpectraCell test that we're talking about and just nutrition in general and kind of the difference of, 
you know, intracellular versus extracellular and intracellular, all that kind of stuff, check out spectracell.com. That's spelled S-P-E-C-T-R-A-C-E-L-L.com. And it's the micronutrient assay or test that they're doing. Plus, they do a lot of education on there as well, so you can learn, you know, about all this stuff. But today we're talking about nutritional testing, functional testing, supplementation, deficiencies, you know, how to be preventative, what does optimal health mean, what are some different factors affecting your nutrient levels, and how to obviously kind of look at the spectrocell test if you do decide to use it, because the gold standard is nothing like it out there, you know, how you can use it to take control of your health. So very valuable episode, super excited. There's so much great golden nuggets in this about functional nutrition in this episode. So if you know anybody that needs to hear this message, that needs to you know learn more about functional nutrition. If they're taking supplements, make sure they're getting tested. You can't just take supplements because uh, without testing, because you, you may be creating some long-term issues, you know, imbalances in other areas. So this is one of those things that it's part of your daily, or well, you wouldn't be getting every day, but let's say your, your regular practice of health. So super excited to do this. Let's jump into it. Functional nutrition testing. Here we go. to like do anything tv related ever you know it's like they just figure it all out so. i i'm not i don't think anybody is good with technology I mean, there's like a few people and we don't know who their names are because they're all locked up in a basement working on code <laughs> <laughs> well listen i'm really excited to have you i mean this is uh you know this kind of started serendipitously i think with with that phone call when i called you over uh you know about some questions but I'm like man i should have hit record on that on that phone call, we were getting into some good stuff. So I really am excited that you're here. Um, and I mean, tell them a little bit about who you are first, like, you know, how you got into, have, were you always in nutrition? You know, what do you do? No, um, you get I, my, um, I studied chemistry in college. Um, just, I always liked, you know, the biochemistry of things and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then, um, I went to school in Texas and when I graduated, I moved to Houston cause that's where all the chemical jobs were, you know? And so I actually started my career working in plastics and, you know, looking at the chemical structure of plastics and, and I just, my heart wasn't in it. You know, I just didn't really care about that. And, uh, but I did love the science part of it. Um, and so when, when I got married and I knew I was going to start a family, I thought, okay, if I'm going to actually work, I'm going to do something that I actually love and want to go learn about every day. And so I actually, um, looked up, you know, places in Houston that have, um, you know, just interesting things about biochemistry or companies that were doing interesting things. And I found SpectraCell, this is way back in 2004 and approached them and said, Hey, I, this test that you're doing seems really interesting. You know, um, here's my background. I'd like to work for you guys. And, you know, shortly thereafter, I started working there. Um, and then, um, that's what I, where I found what I really love to do because now I was just reading and learning about nutrition and not just like, you know, low carb, high carb, you know, that kind of thing. I'm talking about like the biochemistry and really digging into the medical literature and just, you know, like reading about all this was just so interesting. And so, and that's what I've been doing, you know, for the last, whatever, 16 years is, is, um, working. I work in the marketing department, but I'm kind of the resident, you know, nerd in the marketing department that (laughs) goes in and and 
reads the medical literature and then kind of, you know, sometimes I'll just sort of summarize papers because doctors don't have time to read these, you know, they yeah. kind of, um, they, they just don't have time to do that. And so, you know, I'll do that and kind of look at studies that have been published and say, this is what they're concluding, or, you know, here's the mechanism of action that, you know, vitamin D and calcium work together, you know, just, and just delving into the literature and then trying to boil it down for, um, doctors to use it easily in their practice, you know, to kind of implement it. And then, you know, all the while learning about this test that SpectraCell does and, you know, how that works in, you know, clinical settings and that type of thing. So, so I, you know, like I said, I, I, my background is in chemistry by education. Um, but I just sort of found where I like to, what I like to learn because chemistry can be anything, you know, the oh, chemical yeah. industry or whatever. And so, you know, once I learn the the biochemistry and the physiology of the body, I mean, I'll never get bored of that. So it's crazy. You know, I think if we summarize literally everything that we know right now and we put it in a, in a box, it's still probably like 1% of what's actually going on in the body. <laughs> just, yeah. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Funny. I mean, it's unreal. It, it's, you know, the more I learn, the more I realize I have to yet to learn. And, yeah. and I, the more I realize that the medical community and scientists in general have yet to learn. It's very yeah. humbling, you know, when you really start, you know, 10 years ago when you thought, okay, he's, here's the vitamins, here's their structure. And this is generally what they do. Okay. Check that off the list. And now it's like, that is just the nomenclature. You know what I mean? I mean, there's just all these interactions, the physiology of the body, it's combination with genetics and everything. And so it's just, it's, so interesting. And we are really have so much yet to learn from, you know, on a wide scale practice, you know, I mean, it's, it's a really different sort of aspect of medicine because, you know, traditional medicine is usually about treatment of symptoms, you know, in general, chronic disease and that type of thing. And this is like a total paradigm shift, you know, and it really has a lot of scientific basis. It's just, um, you know, you just, it's, it's out there to learn and there's so much yet to learn. So what do you think are some common misconceptions that people have or misunderstandings, I should say about uh, nutrition, supplementation, testing, you know, all the stuff that we're talking about, you know, this sounds, um, kind of, you know, general and basic, but honestly, I think that people don't think food has anything to do with their health. A lot of times, Mm. I mean, people say that, but certainly doctors don't, you know, in general, a lot of doctors kind of, um, they think that we get all the nutrients we need from food, you Mm. know, and that is probably the biggest misconception that if you're eating a relatively healthy diet, which is a totally subjective term, you know, first of all, um, and that's debatable in itself, what a healthy diet is. Um, but you know, uh, most medicine, you know, the, the well, um, respected and established peer peer reviewed journals generally say we get, we should get what we need from food. And that is a total misconception. That's not true. And when you're talking about the biochemistry of it, we're not getting what we need from food. You know, Um, even if we were, you know, even if you are a person who is really like living off the land and, and growing their own food and really eating, you know, they are eating fruits and vegetables and just unprocessed foods. And, and, you know, they've got their own, supply of meat in their backyard that they're butchering themselves or whatever, you know, first of all, our soil's different, you know, and that's, and most people aren't living off the land, you know, who, who's really living off the land. And so 
food is not what it used to be. And there's a lot of misconceptions about food and what's healthy and everything, but really we're not as a, you know, as a human, as the human race or as Americans, particularly, we're not getting the nutrients we need to prevent degenerative disease from food period. And, and most people think we are. I read somewhere recently, I don't remember where, but it was something like to get the equivalent of five servings of vegetables that your grandparents did, like let's say in the 1920s or something. Yeah. It's like double that now. You, you have to eat like 10, you know, organic fruits and vegetables just because of the soil. Like you said, the soil, I mean, uh, you know, pesticides, all the, the turnover that's happened in the soil and everything. So it's, it's crazy. Like even if you're trying to eat, you know, quote unquote healthy and lots of things, it just, you're not getting the same bang for your buck because of nature and agriculture right, right. practices. Well, that's true. You know, the good thing though, the good news about the human body is there's a lot of redundancy and like sort of systems that overlap so that if you don't get a nutrient, you know, it's not like you don't get a nutrient and then in a week you're really suffering yeah. from really something severe. Contingency measures. <laughs> yes. You, you have, you know, these things build up over years and decades over a yeah. lifetime, you know, so the it's, that's good news because our bodies have a very, um, high level of adaptability. And if we're not getting, you know, certain nutrients, we can compensate, you know, um, to some degree or whatever. So it's not like you have to, you know, only live off, uh, you know, live off the land or grow your own vegetables every you know day and everything. But the thing is, I think a lot of people also think that if they're, you know, eat some fruits and vegetables, but then you know, indulge in, you know, going out to eat, you know, you don't know, really know what you're getting when you go out to eat. And, yeah. and the thing is, it's not like the food that you eat that is not healthy is just kind of like, um, you know, neutral, then you're yeah. using nutrients to detoxify, or you're new, even you're using nutrients to metabolize, you know, so it's, it's, it's not just about, um, you know, availability. I mean, it's really understanding the biochemistry. And the thing is, now there's tools out there that we can really dig deeper in the biochemistry of a person from a, you know, instead of treating symptoms and that kind of thing. And that's what, you know, that's what I've been, you know, looking at at SpectraCell and, and what's really exciting to me is, is it's, I mean, of course I love eating healthy and I love, you know, motivating people to make good food choices and everything, but that's, that's just, almost a given. I mean, we kind of yeah. already know that's what we're supposed to do. We're talking about like next level diagnostics and really looking at the biochemistry that is really hidden in the literature or obscured by, you know, the standard of care, which is usually a pharmacological approach and really looking at what, there's some amazing things that can happen. You know, if we really listen to our biochemistry, if you will, you know, yeah. so why do you think like when it comes to research studies, cause I mean, there's, that's a whole can of worms, but like with, with the research, I mean, first off, there's not a lot of money in natural compounds, obviously. So, you know, there's, there's, that's an unfortunate aspect of this kind of research, but uh, why do you think that there's so much like bad press and controversy when it comes to supplements, uh, nutrition, you know, all, this whole alternative, basically being more preventative in your care. Why do you think there's a lot yeah. of that negativity out there? Well, um, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but I can tell you, you know, a couple that's kind of come to mind. I mean, like you, t first of all, the, the cynical reason of there's not a lot of money in researching things like 
fasting or, you know, natural approaches or whatever, just because it's a lot of, it's a lot of money to make clinical trials and have these big studies, you know, with follow-up and all that kind of stuff. Um, so there's a whole funding issue in terms of research on nutrition, you know, but that notwithstanding, that's not really the real problem in my opinion. It's really that when you look at nutrition and particularly when, when I'm talking about nutrition, like I said, I'm not talking about like, you know, this diet versus this diet. I'm really talking about like nutrients and like the biochemistry of how they work together. And so when you look at the, the biochemistry of nutrients, you cannot, it's hard to fit into the clinical trial approach because that, that tends to be a very reductionist approach. When you do a clinical Mm -hmm. trial, you want to reduce all the variables you can. So if you're doing a clinical trial, you know, you know, on, on cholesterol and statins, you take a statin and the, the, you know, cholesterol changes within a few days or whatever. It's, it's a very sort of linear kind of, um, one-to-one approach, you're looking at one variable and you're measuring one outcome. That's kind of how, you know, we approach it from a scientific literature standpoint, but nutrients, when you do that, you know, you can look at vitamin D, but then you're only looking at one nutrient and there's all these other nutrients that impact how that's absorbed. Or if you're looking at, you know, one nutrient and an outcome, vitamin D and bone health, for example, well, bone health, you, you look at different measures of bone health. Well, there's other nutrients that affect bone health. So you can may look, maybe look at vitamin D, but what about the nutrients that activate vitamin D? Or what about the nutrients that, um, you know, activate osteoclasts or whatever? And it's like, so, okay, well then we'll do studies with two or three nutrients, you know? And the thing is, it's, you, that just is not conducive to clinical trials. And that, and yeah. clinical trials are the, you know, that's the, gold standard in medical research. And so nutrient investigation from a physiological standpoint just does not work in that clinical trial paradigm quite so easily. Now we have tons of research and great studies on nutrition over the decades and decades that have been great, but it is a harder, um, it's a harder thing to measure because there's so many interactions. So you get like misleading, you know, conclusions, or you get, you know, we're not sure Well, if you're not looking at all of these nutrients and kind of a big picture, you may make some incorrect conclusions or hard to see what's going on. You know what I mean? So I think, I, think that's a lot, I think a lot of people ignore that too. Like I, I was reading a, a study actually today on NAC on uh, N-L-cetylcysteine or whatever. And one of the articles online was was relatively from a scientific source, like scientific something, whatever. I don't remember what it is, but it didn't. It wasn't the actual study. But anyway, what they said was, oh, you know, this might be a problem because it might create some, uh, you know, nitric oxide issues and and you know increase your blood pressure. It was some negative result. I don't. It was a very technical result, but. I'm like, okay, let me actually read the study though. And like, it took me some digging to find the actual study, not just the abstract and to find the study because I'm like, okay, at what amount did they find this in? And it was, right. it, a, was it a mouse model? Was it a human model? You know? And so obviously, you know, by, by the time I finally found it, the mouse model was like, you know, egregiously high amount of NAC that was causing this uh, problem, which was basically like hypoxia. It was like a hypoxia type of outcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems that a very high 
doses it was doing this to mice at least obviously they haven't produced it in humans but it's like those kind of things like people don't read that they don't bother to go into that level of detail and who knows who's to say that even maybe at some level like other nutrients are involved in preventing that potential you know side effect i mean there's so many yeah, different absolutely. relationships you know that well uh, that just um you know you just mentioned you know a study on n-acetylcysteine well n-acetylcysteine is um, a precursor to glutathione, which is like the master antioxidants, one of the most powerful antioxidants in the body. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, this, you know, the company I work for Spectral, they do a, um, test and they look at like, it's got like 30 plus nutrients and N-acetylcysteine and glutathione are two of them. And we'll see like, if someone's deficient in glutathione, um, it's very difficult to absorb glutathione from a supplement. So N-acetylcysteine is the precursor. So a lot of times that will help the glutathione, but, to convert N-acetylcysteine into glutathione, well, guess what? You need vitamin B2, which is riboflavin. Mm. So if you take copious amounts of N-acetylcysteine, you know, for several months or long-term or whatever, I mean, then you might have induced kind of a B2 deficiency. So you kind yeah. of just sort of, that's what I'm talking about. Like the whole, you know, the, the approach of really looking at all these nutrient connections and stuff. How many studies do you see are, you know, on N-acetylcysteine and B2, you know, yeah. and then add another nutrient. Well, you know, they're, they're scarce, scarce, if any, you know, and so it's, it's the, the medical research. There's so many good studies on nutrients, but it's like you just, like you said in the beginning, it really is scratching the surface because it is such a comprehensive system metabolically, all these nutrients. And you kind of have to look at the whole nutrient picture instead of just one nutrient, one symptom. It just doesn't work like that. You know, what, what makes the spectra cell test different? Cause I, I think it's so ingenious and it seems that it's still ahead of its time, even, you know, at 40 years after it's been invented or whatever. I mean, what makes it different I, I, than well, and what is functional testing for people that don't understand what, what that means? Well, it's, um, it, it, it's, it is totally ahead of its time. I, I feel like, um, it is this like this revolutionary test that, you know, the clients that we have that use it in their practice routinely are like, this is a game changer. Um, but it's, it's a paradigm shift, you know? So what makes um, this test unique is that it is a functional assessment of nutrient. It's, it assesses nutrient function within the cells. Okay. So it's completely different than serum testing, which is what most people are, just sort of intuitively understand when you measure B12, you know, you, you get a measure of how much B12 is floating around in your blood. Okay. So, but what really matters is how much of that B12 is getting into the cell. And then once it's in the cell is how is the cell using the B12? Is it functioning? Is the B12 doing what it's supposed to do? And so this test is looking at how nutrients function in the cell, which is where all the metabolic work happens. Everything happens in the cell. You don't, you don't convert, you know, uh, food to energy extracellularly or, um, detoxify extracellularly. This is all happens. All this mitochondria and DNA and proteins, and this happens within a cell. And so yeah. that's the, the, it, this test is different because it's done in the cell and it's a functional assessment. 
as and opposed what, to like out serum or something. And how, because this is also important too, I think, is some people may be familiar with the red blood cell types of tests that use red blood cells. What is the difference between red blood cell type of test where they're looking at minerals or whatever nutrients in your red blood right. cells versus using your immune system and your lymphocytes? Well, the, um, like some of the red blood cell, you know, analytes like magnesium or, um, uh, another one, um, folate, for example, um, if you're measuring them in the red blood cell, um, the thing about the red blood cell is it doesn't have a nucleus. So all of, think about all of the, um, things that require nucleus and like, um, you know, all that genetic expression of, proteins and everything it's that's why the the, the spectral test uses the lymphocyte which is much more tied to systemic health than your red blood cell because a red blood cell is not really it doesn't have a nucleus so it doesn't have all of that genetic expression it's not indicative of that when it's functioning its job is basically to transport oxygen and and you know that that's why the spectra cell test of all the nutrients that it contains it doesn't we don't measure iron because iron function in a lymphocyte doesn't really, that's not where it's working. Iron functions in a red blood cell. So um, we use a lymphocyte because it had, it's a nucleated cell and the and lymphocyte function is very closely tied to systemic health. Um, it's very well established marker of health in the literature. Um, so it's a better cell for looking at all different nutrients than the red blood cell. But like I said, the red blood cell is better for measuring iron, certainly um, but, but for the function of like all the metabolic processes that happen, um, you would want a nucleated cell, you know, in a cell mm-hmm. of mitochondria that would kind of express all that or ex- when deficient would indicate, um, dysfunction so that you could, you know, measure that and quantify it. Are there any nutrients in the white blood cells that are, that aren't being measured yet by spectrum cell, like for example, iodine or, uh, yes. Um, boron or something like that uh, we don't we yeah we only measure 31 nutrients and yeah i mean i say only 30 i was was gonna say only i mean still i mean think about if you go if you go to you know the hospital or whatever you might maybe get a vitamin d one you know a serum vitamin d if you're lucky maybe a serum you know b12 or whatever but so we measure 31 nutrients and then there's also four metabolic tests that aren't nutrient, but they're sort of measures of metabolic function. So there's 35 parts of this test, but still that's not every nutrient under the sun. So yeah. we don't measure iron because iron really isn't, um, functionally active in a lymphocyte. Um, we don't measure iodine either because iodine tends to be functionally active in, um, thyroid cells. And so, um, that's another one we don't measure in the lymphocyte. Um, and then, uh, we don't, you know, we, we measure like four or five amino acids, but not, you know, all of them. So the thing about we we've added analytes over the years, but it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of research to add these analytes. I was going to say it's probably a ton of reading to make sure. It's not, it's not re it's it's the, it's the, um, logistics of it in the lab. It's a very big deal to add an analyte. So Mm. it's, um, you know, the ones we have are, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty good assessment, um, yeah. but it isn't every single thing in, in you know, under the sun. So, um, but I mean, if you were still, to get tested on all those things individually, it would cost you a fortune, I think. Yeah, we, I've, I've done, you know, I've, I've looked at that because people ask that all the time. They're like, you know, 
it, the test that this, the special test is 420 bucks. Well, you know, people are like, that's a lot of money, you know, that's especially for a test that I've never heard of, or, you know, my doctor's has, you know, is not that familiar with it or whatever. And the thing is, if you broke that down and measured each of those minerals, you know, we measure the main minerals and in, in all the vitamins. And, you know, I think it's like, 2000 or $2,200 if you were oh, yeah. really going to just Easily. go pay it. But, and also that would be serum testing that would not tell you what really you want to know anyway, yeah. you know? So, um, I mean, it's, it's, it is one of those things. It's a very highly, um, advanced test, you know, and, and, um, you know, it's, it takes, you know, we take a person's white blood cells, their whole blood, and then we remove the white blood cells and we grow the white, white blood cells. And then we, have a, um, you know, it's, it's manipulated 35 different times for each analyte and in triple kit. So it's a really intensive test. I mean, the, it usually takes about, um, two weeks to get the results because we're, you know, we're actively growing these lymphocytes in the lab and testing, um, each nutrient specifically. So it's, it is, you know, it is what it is. I still think it's a total bargain, but, um, but it's one of those things that, you know, it's hard for someone to, um, have that paradigm shift of spending money on something. They're just told you get everything you need from food. You know, Mm. what do you think about this idea of like deficiencies and, and let's say if somebody sees a deficiency on their spectra cell test versus a deficiency in your blood, right? So let's talk a little bit about like subclinical deficiency and what that means in a functional test versus, you know, a serum test. Right. Um, well, so, um, you know, B12 is a good example because there's a lot of probably the most researched vitamins are vitamin B12 and vitamin D, you yeah. know, so, so, um, and vitamin D is a little different. So that's kind of a, a whole nother interesting, um, vitamin in and of itself, but so vitamin B12, it's, it's, you know, uh, the purpose of vitamin B12, what some of the purposes in the body is, is it helps with, um, you know, DNA, um, replication and that kind of thing. Well, that's a pretty fundamental process for your DNA to work and tell the body what genes to express. I mean, what, um, proteins to create and all that kind of thing. So it's, um, you know, it, it, the function of B12 is, um, to, you know, help energy production, help the methylation cycle in the cell, which is detoxifying in the cell and that type of thing. So if you measure B12 in the serum, you're, you're just measuring what's floating around outside of the cells. Cause your blood is, you know, some plasma and then the cells, you know, and so outside of the cells, there are minerals, it's, you know, minerals and nutrients and everything. And so if you just measure that, all that is, is telling you what B12 level is in your cell. And there's a reference range for the just the general population and saying, yes, you're in range or no, you're not in range, but that range is for the whole population. And it's, um, if you are deficient on a serum B12, um, then that just means that you are, you have low B12 compared to the whole reference population of all the B12 serum, you know, tests that have been done. So, and, and if you, you know, a serum test is the unit of measure is, is usually mass per liter, you know, milligrams or nanograms per deciliter or something like that. So a functional test is just a total uh, sort of a different 
paradigm shift because now we're looking at how the B, the lymphocyte functions when you remove B12 from it. So we take these lymphocytes and we grow them and we know how well these um, cells can grow. And the, you know, kind of the key to this micronutrient test is the, the media in which we grow them. This is, it's like a culture media. This was developed at the University of Texas, um, you know, in the seventies and eighties. I mean, I think it was first patented in 83 or 84. That's and crazy. This, yeah, it's, it's, and this was based by the way, on research from Roger Williams, who he's, he, you know, um, discovered B5 and he was like a biochemist that was, on the forefront of nutritional research, you know, in the forties and fifties and sixties. So anyway, um, he started this um, foundation called the Clayton foundation biochemical Institute. And that's where this test, this, this, um, where we're, this media was developed. And this was at the university of Texas at Austin. Um, and they have, the, they created this, perfect media, which is basically, and it doesn't have serum or protein in it. So it's this media. And when you put lymphocytes in it, it's the perfect environment. So what we do is we take so the lymphocytes. control basically. At it's, that point. It's, yeah, it's, it's a control. And interestingly, the patients or the person's own lymphocytes serve as their control. So we take the lymphocytes and we put it in this, what's called perfect environment. Okay. It's a patented media. And like I said, was a culmination of, of decades of research. And we put the lymphocytes in there and they grow. And that's the best they're gonna do. This is like the best environment possible. And that is, that's like the first step of the spectral. It's called the immunodex. And that's basically the, it's called the um, lymphocyte proliferation response or a lymphocyte growth response or a total immune function. It goes by a lot of different names, but in the literature, if you were looking at lymphocyte proliferation, that's what we'd be measuring. That's what we're measuring. So, so that's what the immunodex score is basically your yes. control or, or yes. your baseline. Okay. Gotcha. That, yeah. The baseline, that's the best your cells are going to do. Like uh -huh. in that point in time, your cells, this is the best they're going to do. So then we've got this best growth rate. Well, then we manipulate the media 35 different what times. So for we're talking about B12. So what we'll do is remove B12 from the media. So now we take the lymphocytes and uh, subject them to that media. And if they're growing the exact same rate as they did with the B12 in the media, then the person is not deficient. That means their cells had enough B12 in their reserves, in their cellular reserves to support all the metabolic functions needed to induce growth. So, yeah. um, but if there's a difference, which there always is a difference, but just it's the scope of the difference. Sometimes it's largely different, which means you're de deficient. But if there's a huge difference, that means that the lymphocyte could not grow very well when you removed B12 because it didn't have enough B12 to support function, which means it's deficient, which means if that cell had more B12, it would have grown better. Mm -hmm. And so we do this, you know, separately with each nutrient. So when when you look at the how it's reported, it's reported as a percent because it's the percent of growth in a perfect environment compared to the, I'm, I'm sorry, it's the rate of growth in a perfect environment compared to the rate of growth when the nutrient is removed from the environment. And so that difference in growth is a percentage. And so that's why this this test is measured in percent. You know, although it's it's also stated qualitatively as deficient, borderline, or 
normal, you know what yeah. I mean? So, um, but also if you want to dig into the numbers, it's, it's reported in percent, which is really different than serum because your serum B12 is just going to be port- reported in mass per unit volume. It's just how much is floating around. Yeah. Now we're looking at how is the serum um, is your cell working? It's actual performance value. Yeah, it's it's cell function, and and if it's deficient, is is the deficiency compromising cell function? And that is what this is looking at. Hmm. So the, what's what's beautiful about that is that that sort of um, it doesn't matter what you ate, it doesn't matter what you know um, your lifestyles or whatever. This is cell function. What is actually happening in your body? It's it's um, we're not assuming that, you know, uh, you're going, we're not making assumptions. It's actually what is how your cell is growing and whether it's um, deficient or not, as opposed to a serum test, which you're, you're assuming that person needs the same amount of B12 as everybody else in the reference range universe, you know, or you're assuming that that person um, is going to absorb that B12 into their cells, or you're assuming that person doesn't have a genetic SNP that makes them need more B12 than someone else. You know, this is, this is different. This is what's really going on in your body. So that's, it's just fascinating that this was developed so many decades ago and, and, you know, like this was the eighties. I mean, that's crazy. It's such a advanced test. I'm surprised that it's not, I mean, I don't know how popular you guys are, but I'm surprised that it's not more utilized. I mean, obviously modern medicine has a long ways to go to catch up with these kind of things, but uh, you know, it's, it's such a crazy thing. I mean, really, you're looking at the movement of your cells and how they perform rather than the static picture of, you know, some numbers floating around. Because, well, yeah, go ahead. It, it's, you know, what's really interesting. I mean, that's all fine and dandy. But what's really um, exciting is when you see how it translates clinically. You know, that's yeah. where it's like, you're like, this is a game changer. You know, yeah. when you see, you know, we we've had, we have, um, you know, practitioners who's, who've used it for decades, you know, and they're like, you know, and we have all these case studies of, you know, this person's blood work was normal and they've been, you know, their thyroid panel was normal or whatever, and everything was normal. They've gone to specialist to specialist and they take a spectra cell and they're like, this is a totally different approach. You know, there there's things that it's, and it's not that, um, it's not, it's simple, you know, it's just nutrients. It's giving the cells the, what they actually need and not assuming you need something. It's, it's, what is this patient really, what are their cells saying they need repleting them? And it, it really applies to so many different clinical, you, you know, conditions, you know, from, from cancer to headaches, to, fertility to, you know, a lot of athletes, professional athletes use it. I mean, it's, it's a really, um, it's, it's exciting when you see the difference it makes clinically, you know, I mean, the science is exciting. Also, I get all excited about the science, but when you see the clinical manifestation of repletion, you're like, whoa, this is a game changer. I I think that's the future too, because, you know, especially now you start to see there's more of a push in that direction of sort of this individualized, uh, you know, nutritional, I don't, I don't think anything's near as close to SpectraCell, but definitely we're moving in that direction. And especially, you know, because we've operated on this sort of sense of the RDI and, and even the lab ranges themselves. I mean, how do they create those? They created them sort of arbitrarily based off observing a population, you know, and saying, well, this kind of seems normal. So let's use this range. Uh, But RDI is not, I've often found that for 
pretty much almost every main nutrient, every main vitamin and mineral, most of the time RDI is very off of mm-hmm. what you actually need, especially if you, like you said, if you have genetic SNPs or, you know, whatever, certain things you need to detox, your demand may be way higher than what the RDI recommends. Right. It, well, it usually is, you know, the RDI, I think that the RDI that was created, you know, way back in the sixties, I think. And that was, you know, the development of I think it was RDA for a while, the recommended daily lab. Yeah, now it's RDI. Recommended (laughs) dietary intake. And there's all these, you know, terms, but it's basically the same thing. And those were developed to prevent like gross deficiency diseases. You know, like um, part of it was a lot of it was about um, food fortification, you know, and um, birth defects were a real problem, you know, in the mid century. And we, we know that, B vitamins, particularly folate and B12, you know, when severely deficient in a pregnant woman can cause birth defects. And yeah. so, you know, we did a, a lot of this fortification. We put folic acid in food so that we can, you know, combat that. And, and now birth defects, you know, obviously they're way down from 50 years ago. Um, but it, I mean, th- that is a, that's, that's kind of like addressing, you know, um, gross deficiency diseases. And, and this spectra cell test is really looking at something that is subclinical because, um, you know, a good example is scurvy, you know, the, a gross deficiency of vitamin C would give you scurvy. And when you have scurvy, you know, you got, um, you know, you're going to have bleeding gums and your, your, uh, um, connective tissue kind of sort of gets all jacked up. Well, scurvy doesn't just happen. Like you didn't eat vitamin Overnight, C for a week yeah. and you got scurvy, you know, I mean, it's, there's years, sometimes, like I said, decades of subclinical deficiency that happens before you get these gross deficiency diseases like scurvy or rickets for vitamin D or yeah. beriberi for um, vitamin A, uh, B1. So before that, you know, a, a subclinical vitamin D deficiency, you might have um, low, you know, vitamin C acts as an antioxidant. So you might have some, um, oxidative stress that accumulates, or maybe you have bleeding gums or you're kind of, um, you know, just subtle symptoms that people don't really worry about as a problem. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and they're, they're certainly not like, I don't have scurvy, you know, but you can, but subclinical deficiencies are, um, subclinical is kind of a misnomer because they really do sometimes clinically manifest, just yeah. not in the traditional ways that we think of as a deficiency disease. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. That there's always a sign if you're listening with a with a fine tuned mm-hmm. ear. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Well, when you supplement, I mean, there's there's a lot of considerations there too, right? I mean, especially with with all the different types of supplementation. I mean, there's. I, one big one that comes up for me is form. The form and the quality of the supplement makes a huge difference on how it's absorbed. Uh, so, you know, what, what are some considerations that people need to know in terms of, okay, they got their spectra cell test. They, they want to replete something. Uh, you know, what are, what are some things to consider in that? Room? Well, that's, that's the first step, you know, is having a spectra cell test is like a giant step because at least you have a roadmap to what you should take. You know what I mean? So that's, that's first and foremost, because if you just, you know, read some articles or, you know, say, I feel fatigued. So I'm going to just take a bunch of B vitamins and some antioxidants or whatever you go to the store and you buy and you take things, you know, you, we, we really, our whole um, message is you need to 
know what you're deficient in and replete that. Don't just blindly take a bunch of supplements yeah. because so first and foremost, if you, if you've already had a, a roadmap, that's a giant step in the right direction. So then, you know, when it comes to supplementation um, I mean, this is where, you know, a lot of our practitioners knowledge really comes in where they they have used these supplements in, you know, in their practices or whatever, and they know which ones, you know, work or whatever, but, um, and, and Spectral doesn't sell supplements. So we are just the lab that does the testing and we don't say, okay, you're deficient in this and then have a supplement to give you. But we do have a lot of information on what, you know, uh, what can be absorbed and that kind of thing. And just, mm-hmm. um, like each nutrient we have, um, some information on what forms, particularly with, um, minerals might be better absorbed, you know, like, Zinc is a very common deficiency. We see it probably in 20% of the um, samples that come in the door. Mm-hmm. And, you know, zinc, you don't want to just like take copious amounts of zinc because zinc works with different minerals and you could um, induce a deficiency in, for example, copper. If you just take zinc, you know, um, over, you know, the a course of time, um, especially if it's a, um, a form that's not as easily absorbed. But, you know, when it comes to minerals, usually minerals that are connected to amino acid tend to be better absorbed. And, and, um, you know, for example, B12, B12 comes in four different forms. And one of the forms that's best absorbed would be the methylcobalamin form versus like cyanocobalamin. And so there's just some kind of basic guide information that we provide on just supplements and the different forms and stuff, even though that's really, you know, um, where the, uh, you know, a practitioner's knowledge is, you know, helpful. Um, but, uh, at least having a roadmap of what to take is, is a giant first step and then start looking at the quality of supplements because that makes a huge difference. Of course. I mean, if you yeah. take, you know, go get some Centrum brand, I mean, I, you know, some brand that's just like off the shelf. Oh my God. Or, my dad got a Centrum multivitamin <laughs> the other day and I, I wanted to cry. I'm like, he doesn't do anything for his health anyway. So I'm like, all right, yeah. at least it's something. <laughs> I know. It, it, well, it's, it's, you know, that's one of the things though, where you're just like, um, you know, it's not very absorbed, you know, it, people feel like they're taking a multivitamin and then, you know, you can't take a multivitamin and then eat like crap, you know, I mean, you've got to, um, that this is the, like the special cell test. This is like a different level. This is really looking at, okay, I want to make some changes physiologically. I want to change my biochemistry. I want to, you know, get rid of whatever symptom has been ailing me. Yeah. And um, it's, it's a different, it's really a different level, but when it comes to supplements, I mean, I, I always kind of have um, uh, one sort of little trick that I tell some people, I'm like, if you have a supplement, you know, put it in a glass of vinegar and just leave it on the counter overnight. And if you come back the next morning and that supplement is exactly in the same shape and form as it was 24 hours ago, you know that that's not getting digested in your body either because it's about the same pH um, as your stomach or whatever. And if you go to the store and you buy a really what looks like a high quality supplement, you know, maybe a um, food state kind of supplement and you put it in vinegar in a couple hours, it's completely disintegrated, you know, but you put a, you know, I'm not going to name a brand, but whatever, some cheap supplement from a big box brand or whatever, that thing will be there in a week, you know, I mean, so that's (laughs) exactly. So so you just, just looking at that difference of two, uh, get it, what 
an expensive one or something that looks good, you know, usually they're a little more expensive if they're good, you know, um, and then compare it to the cheap brand and you will see that they're um, just, just on the counter that they don't really disintegrate. So, you know, the whole um, quality of supplements is another big issue, but um, at least approaching supplementation from a targeted perspective is, you know, light years ahead of what um, is generally accepted as normal, you know? How long does it take to re- usually replete something? And then I guess this, this would be a two-part question. So like if let's say somebody gets their test and then, you know, okay, something scores low on there. They're like, all right, I'm going to find a really nice quality supplement. I'm going to replete this. And then, you know, let's yeah. say three, four months, five months down the road, they test again and that nutrient stayed the same or it went down. So like, how do you handle that? What does that mean? Well, um, the first thing that comes to mind would be that maybe they're, um, if, you know, let's say they have five deficiencies and they really are, are focusing on two deficiencies. It, it, um, what I think is maybe a cofactor is missing. In other words, um, like vitamin D is a big one where, you know, if you take a lot of vitamin D, your serum levels will go, you know, up and up and up. But then sometimes we'll see on the spectra cell that intracellularly and functionally, it is very low and it gets lower and lower. Well, you know, vitamin D is activated in the liver and kidneys. So if there's a nutrient that is, um, you know, magnesium helps hydroxylate vitamin D. So if that person is deficient in magnesium and vitamin D, but they're really just approaching vitamin D, they're going to make it more functionally deficient because the cofactor isn't there to support the absorption and, you know, hydroxylation and making it bioavailable. So that's why it's important to look at the whole report. You know, that's why it's important to have a comprehensive, um, you know, look at nutrient status. I mean, the spectra cell, you, you can't just choose one or two nutrients. Yeah. You're either going to get all of them or not. We don't you need like, a complete say, program basically. Yeah, yeah. You do the whole test. Um, but if you just did a serum vitamin D or serum B12 and it's low and you are really supplementing, well, you might be deficient in a cofactor and then you're never going to correct that until you get the whole picture. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, so that's, you know, if it's, if it's, if they got a spectra cell test and, you know, you really look at the whole thing, like, you know, all of the borderline deficiencies and everything, and you kind of have a whole plan. Um, usually that's the best approach as opposed yeah. to, some, you know, just taking one or two, although, that said, sometimes there's certain nutrients that if you help correct them, other nutrients kind of come up too. In other words, it's like a synergistic effect, especially with antioxidants. You correct one and then like the others tend to get a little bit better hmm. anyway. So like vitamin E and C or something like that? Yeah. Um, sometimes they, they uh, yeah, like for example, um, we test for chromium and then we also have a test for, um, it's called glucose insulin on the test, but it's yeah. actually insulin function. Well, chromium is important in sensitizing insulin, sensitizing cells to the insulin receptor. So if you correct that chromium, a lot of times the glucose, fun- the glucose insulin function will just automatically correct. So there's mm-hmm. some, and, and that's just comes with sort of experience in, in the tests and seeing these patterns that some of them sort of work together, you know, yeah. cause a lot of people, they get a test and they'll have, you know, maybe eight deficiencies and then like six borderlines and it's very overwhelming. And you're like, Oh my God, I have to take 20 pills three times a day or whatever. Yeah. But, but it's not always that 
you know, you kind of look at which ones work together. Sometimes the nutrients, you know, correcting one helps others. And then you want to make sure that you're working with the cofactors too. So it's just, that's why it's good to just have the whole shebang. Look at yeah. the functional nutrient status of a bunch of them, as opposed to just, you know, one serum level of one nutrient. It's just not going to, um, it's a different approach really. Now you and I talked about on the phone, we talked about the vitamin D paradox. And I think that's yeah. the first thing to, to chat about too. Like what, what is that all about? And what is that, what is the implication for functional testing? Well, um, you know, vitamin D is such an interesting nutrient because um, it's a little different than uh, most. It's not really a vitamin. It's more of a hormone. Yeah. And, and vitamin D is um, what it does is regulate gene expression. And so we, we, there's like, you know, research on like over 30 tissues of the body have vitamin D receptors, you know, and, and we have, um, we know of about 200 genes that are affected by vitamin D that wow. we know, of, which there's probably more, you know, so just knowing that it makes sense that vitamin D is linked to so many vitamin D deficiency is linked to so many things from, you know, autoimmunity to cancer, to, um, you know, uh, hormones, uh, every, you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it can manifest in so many different ways. And so, and it's one of the most researched, if not the most researched vitamin. And so the thing about vitamin D is, you know, some people might get their serum vitamin D or, and, and see that it's low or not even get tested and their doctor, you know, tells them vitamin, you know, take vitamin D. I mean, you really should get tested before you start taking stuff, but, um, you know, they see articles or whatever, and they're like, vitamin D is like the panacea. So I'm going to just yeah. start taking a bunch of vitamin D, you know, without, even if they haven't gotten tested, you know, which is um, the first mistake, but vitamin D um, there's really interesting research that is suggesting if you start taking these really high amounts of vitamin D, you know um, you know, some people are taking like 5,000 IU a day or something like that. And they're really taking that for a long time. And, um, they're seeing their serum levels go up and they're, you know, so they they feel good about that. Um, but when we've seen that sometimes on the um, spectrum cell test, they're, they're functionally deficient. And that's a big question. Why is my serum vitamin D high? I'm taking a lot of it, but I'm deficient. My cells are functionally deficient. How is that possible? What does that mean? Well, we talked a little bit about, first of all, you got to look at the cofactors. Yeah. So there's that, you know, but then also what we've, there's some recent research. And when I say research, I mean, like within the last decade, um, that if you take copious amounts of exogenous vitamin D, that the receptors called the vitamin D receptors on your cells can tend to downregulate and basically say, we don't need to work very well, you know, because there's so much vitamin D floating around. It's, it's basically, you're sort of, um, well, it's like any hormone changing. resistance, right? Like insulin yes. or cortisol or everything else. You're, you know, if it's a hormone, you kind of get resistant to it a little bit. Yeah, it's it's that's a good analogy. It's um, you're kind of messing with the feedback system, if you will. Yeah. Um, you know, so so we I, we call that the vitamin D paradox, where you start taking a lot of vitamin D and you become more functionally deficient, and that's because we're talking about the, the vitamin D receptors are starting to become downregulated and then, um, and, and that's not what we want. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, like I said, that's where you kind of look at, well, maybe make sure the cofactors are 
replete as well. So that, that vitamin D that you are taking can be activated. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, look at uh, the bigger picture because um, if you, you don't want to downregulate the vitamin D receptors, you want your biochemistry to naturally to work naturally and, and, you know, the feedback systems to be appropriate. And so that's what we've seen is that sometimes um, taking some things can downregulate the receptors. I haven't seen that in the literature on a lot of other nutrients, although I've, um, there's some speculation that that could work with some minerals too with, um, with, uh, but I, I, we don't know, you know, I've got to do a little digging and, and not to mention that that's not exactly, you know, highly researched right yeah. the second, you know, but, um, and, and it kind of comes back to the whole message of target your repletion to what your cells are deficient, your, your cells are functionally deficient in, and that is what corrects your biochemistry as opposed to just sort of look, basing it on serum levels or just taking something even without testing at all. You know what I mean? Now, here's a question for you and see what you have found in your own experience about this because there's some, so there's some research on B vitamins, although again, it's not conclusive by any means because there's been research that's used very high amounts of B vitamins for a lot of very good things. But there's some research that B vitamins and even like a lot of nutrition that's related to methylation, when you're taking that in in a supplemental set of form and over a long period of time that it methylates your genes. So mm-hmm. my question is, I, I really don't know anything that much about this because the, the paradox seems to be in everything that I've learned so far, like, okay, we all have genetic SNPs and part of the future of medicine is addressing, like there's a lot of doctors now, functional medicine doctors who are very savvy with this kind of stuff where they, you know, they do basically methylation based genetic, you know, nutrition where whether right. they use SpectraCell, whether they have their own programs of detecting SNPs through genetic things like self-decode or 23andMe, they, you know, you find the SNPs and say, okay, you got a, you know, got a lot of SNPs in your whatever gene. It seems like you need a little more B6 or whatever, right? Because that's a cofactor in a lot of different things. So, so, okay, I take B6, you know, whatever. So now I'm doing all that for all the SNPs that I have. And the, the question is, does that methylate or IE age you faster? And so if it does, then how do you, what's the balance? Because on one end you have a bunch of SNPs, you know, we know food doesn't do it for you and you need, you know, take all this nutrition. And on the other end, it's like, are you methylating your genes? I mean, I don't know that, that part, I, like I said, I don't know that much about it because I haven't researched it that much, but. Well, and you know, it can be daunting because you, you know, you, you heard methylation is good. Well, it isn't always good, actually. Right. Um, you can't over-methylate. Um, so what is the answer? It, the answer is to test. I mean, there's diagnostics now um, that allow us to know what we need. You know, I mean, that's yeah. what I'm saying. It's a game changer that we have. We can make a roadmap of what we need. We, we I've gotten that question a lot where, um, you know, a lot of functional um, doctors, they're ahead of the curve and they get that, you know, it's all about balance and getting your cells to function. And, and the thing is, a lot of functional doctors are like, whoa, there's all this push for, you know, copious B vitamins and, and methylation and everything. But there's actually evidence that if there's, you know, if there's maybe some um, uh, precancerous cells or whatever, or, yeah. or that you can over methylate. And 
start inducing changes that are altering the chemistry, like in a negative way, you know, and, and for example, like, um, like folic acid, you know, um, there's, there's studies that we know folic acid has been helpful, um, you know, in, in reducing birth defects and, and certainly we need folic acid in our bodies to, um, you know, produce energy and do some basic, you know, functions, cellular functions. So, the thing is more isn't always better. And, um, and this also comes back to sort of like the form of the supplement. There's a lot of literature or studies that says, you know, if you excess folic acid can tend to make precancerous cells cancerous. In other yeah. words, it can kind of tip the scale into, um, you know, a dangerous area. And, you know, why is that? Well, folic acid is needed to induce cell, um, uh, reproduction, you know, the yeah, DNA it's food for the cells. Uh, right. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. You're when you're, um, unzipping the DNA and creating a new cell and zipping it back up, you know, that's folic acid dependent. Well, mm. if you take folic acid when you're not efficient and you, you know, over a long course of time, well, then could you be making cells divide that don't should be dividing? In other words, you may be inducing a proliferation that is not necessarily, that wouldn't be induced without taking exogenous folic acid. Now, interestingly, folic acid is the supplement that is in food, in, in, in supplements or whatever, but folate is what's the biologically active form in our body. You know, we measure folate in the cell because we are measuring a biologically active cell. So that's another thing where supplements, you know, supplement folic acid is not exactly the same thing as folate. And so if you take folic acid, you could, um, you know, kind of alter your chemistry in a way that you, you don't want to be. And it's not folate. Usually the bio, you know, the cell, the, the active form of the, um, a vitamin or nutrient in our bodies is the natural state of things. But the problem is it's hard to get that in a pill or in, food fortification when it's not naturally there. And we do everything we can as, you know, scientists try to put it in that form, but that's where that whole, like, the more you learn, the more you realize you have to learn. There's that, that's where, you know, we're trying to, you know, learn all this about biochemistry, but sometimes it isn't as easy as just putting folic acid in a pill and then taking a bunch of that, you know, I mean, back, back to the methylation, I'm just saying that, um, knowing what to take and having a roadmap of what you're deficient in is a giant, huge game changing paradigm shifting first step. And then, and then we got to learn about all the, you know, nutrients that, um, you know, the forms and all that stuff, but it's, I mean, it's exciting stuff and it's really interesting. But oh, it's, it's you know, the- super interesting. I mean, man, like just watching the data change. I mean, I'm a, I'm a nerd, you know, we're both nerds at this stuff. I'm sure. And you have, like you said, you have 16 years of test data. Do you have, okay. Do you have it in like a graph that you can see how things move or do you just have, well, a- I mean, I have, I, you know, I've seen, you know, lots of reports on, you know, people, but I've also done it on myself yeah. um, and my husband, you know, over the course of, a long time. And, um, it's, have you found nutrients, certain nutrients that are like in general, pretty hard to like, like most people tend to have problems with these nutrients. Yeah. Um, and, and it depends. Um, yeah, that's, what's so interesting is this, you know, we all have different genes, but even if you do a, a gene, you totally map your genome. Well, you're dismissing 
epigenetics, you know, the environmental impact of genes. So, a, you know, someone, you know, a, a pregnant 25 year old woman could be deficient in something that an 85 year old, you know, chain smoking man could be there, you know, they, they have different requirements. I mean, they could have, they could have the same deficiency, but for completely different reasons. You yeah. know, we see that with um, professional athletes, a lot of times professional athletes will have deficiencies. Well, these deficiencies are not because they're chain smoking or, you know, eating bad. It's because they're really taxing their bodies. And so their cells are like, look, you're, you know, your game is so good that, um, you know, they, they tend to have deficiencies in certain things, but yeah. so it depends on the, um, yes, we've seen patterns over the years, but also it really is an individualized test to the, in the very truest sense of the word as well. You know what I mean? Um, I, I mean, certainly the most we see the most common deficiencies, functional deficiencies are, um, probably zinc and vitamin D. Um, <clears throat> and then, uh, we have an antioxidant, um, test that's usually deficient. I mean, there's, there's some common ones that, you know, we've seen over the years, but, um, and then personally, after having done it so many times, I've seen some patterns develop in myself and my husband and they're different kind of patterns. So we do, but it's also very individual as well. If that yeah. makes sense. What are some lifestyle factors that might, I guess, affect, you know, like, for example, I, I noticed something really interesting. I'm pretty sure there's a correlation, like between the period of two tests that I took, I had two tooth extractions mm. and I went on two rounds of antibiotics. So a lot of bone rebuilding, a lot of, you know, the antibiotics drain nutrients. And so I noticed during those periods that all of the bone building nutrients, vitamin K, D, calcium, all of them kind of dropped, you know, I was like, that's really interesting. You know, the, the, yeah. you know, so what are some things that people should watch out for that are pretty common that will yeah. reduce their, uh, nutrition? Um, well, you know, one that, like you mentioned, um, antibiotics, but, um, really a lot of, um, over-the-counter and prescription meds in general, yeah, they really induce a lot of deficiencies. And there's a lot of documentation on this. Um, you know, it's, it, and that's interesting because that's, a sometimes a really easily attributed attributable cause of deficiency. Um, <clears throat> but you know, if you, if you take antibiotics and you're wiping out your gut flora, well, your gut flora is what makes most of your vitamin K. You yeah. know what I mean? So, um, and a lot of your B vitamins. And so that's very common, you know, if you're wiping that out, um, until it's replenished and you have to kind of actively, you know, replenish it maybe with fermented foods or probiotics, you're going to have some, um, certainly the potential for deficiencies to develop, but, um, like for example, um, you know, antacids that's commonly, you know, people take antacids all the time and proton pump, pump inhibitors. They're over the counter now. And there's a lot of in, information in the literature about how they induce deficiencies, particularly magnesium and B12, um, are the most common, but there's other ones as well. And, um, look at that lawsuit against Zantac. I mean, they're, they have a class action lawsuit because it was creating cancer. I mean, from well, whatever and, compound it was going on. Well, and that's, it's, we see that with, you know, with pharmaceuticals, a lot of times, you know, that it's, that is sort of intended pharmaceuticals kind of alter a metabolic pathway, yeah. you know, like we want to do this to get a different result. And so in doing so, it's just a different approach, approach than like giving the cells what they need to work 
you know, a repletion sort of approach is very different. When you're altering a metabolic pathway, well, there's going to be downstream effects. It's, there's there's going to be side effects in general. You know, sometimes yeah. people live with them and they don't even consider them side effects or whatever. But um, you know, antacids is a good one. They, they there is a lot of documented research that it induces um, nutrient depletions. You know, yet totally not even addressed. Usually, when people are taking an, 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 um, acids, they don't worry about that. You know, they're like, whatever, you know, most of the time those are di- misdiagnosed too. I've found a lot of the times people have low stomach acid and yeah. because the doctors don't bother doing a Heidelberg test or anything to, to test further for stomach acid levels, they just throw, you know, antacids well, at it, which makes them even worse. You know, it's like, it, I, it's, I, I know. And you get this sort of, you know, dog chasing or tail effect because you're, you know, especially with antacids, it's, it's you, you take them and then you can't, if you stop taking them, you're miserable because you have such bad, um, you know, heartburn and reflux and everything. So you take more and it's just the thing about that kind of approach, that sort of palliative approach is you're dependent on that. I mean, you, yeah. you have to, it's, it's going to be painful, you know, sometimes literally, but just like from a sort of new approach to really change that and go to a nutrient repletion, that is a totally different, um, you know, approach from a medical standpoint. And it also means the patient has to sort of do a lot of, you know, they have to understand that this is a different approach. It's not going to be as easy. I can't just take this and then I'm going to feel better. You know what I mean? One thing about nutrient replacement is unlike pharmaceuticals, it takes a few months. We do this on um, lymphocytes, peripheral lymphocytes that are like four to six months old. And it takes a while to really change the physiology of the body and the biochemistry, you know, of, of the metabolic pathways. And so it usually takes a few months, like three to four months of targeted repletion to really start correcting these things. And that is sometimes disheartening because people want, you know, they're like, I, I have, you know, this problem right now, I really want, what, what can you prescribe that can help this immediately, you know? And, and when you start looking at nutrient repletion, it's a real commitment to, changing your biochemistry, the, the results are totally worth it, you know? Um, but you can see how that's a dissuasion for, uh, you know, a lot of people. Yeah, well, it's funny. I, I say that a lot in everything that I talk about, which is it's the unsexy personal growth answer, which is practice, <laughs> you know, right? I mean, everybody wants this latest hack and, you know, certainly the test is very wonderful, but at the end of the day, it's really a practice. You have to you know, and, and once yeah. you take your second test, doesn't mean you're done. It's it's just the, the next iteration, and then some things yeah. will change. So really, it's your dance over time. Uh, yeah, with all this, yeah. that, that makes it what it is. Yeah. Do you use any other tests with SpectraCell that that help your like? Let's say you personally, do you find value in any other tests as sort of like uh, supplemental information for? You know, well, for- yeah. I mean, I'm a total junkie for lab tests. I love doing lab tests on myself. Um, you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I don't mean to overstate it. I do feel like nutrient repletion is the foundation, I think, of cellular health. Um, but I do, I, we, we, like, we do lipoprotein testing. I definitely look at that. Um, and, you know, I'll do hormone testing and thyroid testing on myself, you know. But it's interesting because all the other tests, it's like, how do you treat that? Well, I come back to, well, what are my cells lacking? And that's, so if I had to choose one test, I would just do the micronutrient test. Yeah. Um, 
even though I do lots of tests, there's a lot of other um, interesting tests and labs out there that I've used um, that I, you know, especially like food sensitivities, we don't do any kind of food sensitivity testing. And I really do like um, that kind of just the immune response and all that yeah. stuff. So I, I've done that um, kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean, if there's something new, I usually like to try it just, you know, so yes. <laughs> you ought to look into um, the iodine sufficiency test, the 24 hour loading test with iodine. And there's a whole, I'm actually, it's going to be in my book coming. I'll, I'll send you a copy. You can read all yeah. the research. It's, it's crazy. It's really fascinating stuff, but uh, they, they've done a lot of work on basically um, finding out how much iodine does the body actually need? Because there's more receptors than just your thyroid. There's all the organs have, especially for women. Uh, a lot of it seems to be in the ovaries and, uh, you know, breasts and things like that. And so, there's so much interesting research about iodine being this sort of, you know, anti-cancer, uh, you know, antioxidant type of thing. It, it, uh, what do you call it? Inactivates viruses at one part per million, which is the serum level that you get when you're iodine sufficient, which happens mm -hmm. to be 10 times more than what the current serum level for normal is. So it's really interesting stuff. It's very, and there's a lab that I, I interviewed actually one of the researchers on my show, uh, Charles Hakala. So I'll, I'll send you all the research. Uh, I think yeah, you really, I, I think you really like it. <laughs> it. Well, and it's interesting you say how, you know, iodine can be a, this antioxidant or anti-cancer nutrient or, you know, and it's, what's interesting is really almost all nutrients. Yeah, it, all if, if not, dare function. I say every nutrient has that potential because really one deficiency compromise will compromise some function, yeah. which kind of can cascade over time. And I, you know, I, I know that a lot of nutrients get the glory, you know, vitamin D gets the glory and the B they're vitamins all get the glory. They all yeah, have but that all these, you know, lesser known antioxidants, I mean, they're all, um, boron, boron yeah. is, is huge. <laughs> exactly. I mean, all these, uh, minerals that no one, you know, really thinks about, you think of calcium, magnesium, zinc, you know, yeah. um, but, um, but yeah, they all have the potential to, you know, when deficient create a lot of problems, maybe it might take years or decades to develop or correct a lot of problems when deficient and corrected, you know, so yeah. it, you have to kind of look at the big picture, but yeah, it, they're all, you know, all the nutrients get there. It's, it's funny because when you look in the, you know, you're always reading the literature, like I am, there's certain researchers that focus on one nutrient and, and like, I can, you know, um, I know, Ooh, if I've got a question about that, I'm going to look up this guy's papers because he yeah. really knows, he knows that nutrient like so well, you know, and, um, but then another researcher might, you know, look at lipoic acid and that's their, you know, pet nutrient, but they're really just as important that just some get the glory, some don't, you know what I mean? Well, and unfortunately things are so complicated that you're going to have all these specialized, you know, areas. So it's really, I think, uh, our job to sort of integrate that with our own health puzzle, because mm -hmm. there's, you know, you could spend your whole lifetime researching vitamin A, you know, I mean, yeah. it's just, so you have to, at some point you have to do the integrating on your own, I think for your own health journey. So anything coming up exciting? Like, is there anything that SpectraCell is looking to do like as far as expanding maybe more things or offering new tests or anything like that, or not really? Um, you know, not like officially, although, yeah. um, you know, um, we've always added, um, tests, you know, over time, like we've looked at, you know, maybe some, um, some iron panels and stuff, but it's, it's, uh, 
You know, it's always kind of comes back to the micronutrient test. It really is the foundation, you know, the, the, um, it's the flagship test. Um, we've done, we've done, you know, hormone and thyroid in the past. And, um, I mean, I think I would love for us to get into, you know, different types of, um, functional testing, like more food sensitivities and that type of thing. But, um, we've got, we've got, if, if we can, you know, convert people over to looking at functional nutrition where that's that I will have achieved my life goal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so we've got enough, um, uh, potential there, you know? So, um, I mean, that'd be you know, huge I, if you think about it, like so many people, even with everything that's happened in this year with all this virus and crazy stuff, it's like, if you think about what you said with how you saw most of the time is zinc and vitamin D were deficient, right? Well, those two that's right there, just right there. I mean, there's a lot of them, but just right there, those two are huge for immunity and huge yeah. risk factor for, for respiratory illnesses and all that kind of stuff. So it's really interesting. If, if you think about, let's say this was a very common thing and people would do this for themselves, what the impact would be on the healthcare industry. You save billions be, of dollars. I mean, uh, I mean, Billy, it, it would, you know, it, yeah. the thing is it's, 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 there's an education component though. You know, yeah. you can't, yeah. you have to learn about these different nutrients and that's a whole, um, you know, that's a whole education component. That's really that's lacking. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but the, the good news is, you know, there are diagnostics out there that are really groundbreaking and, this is one of them where we can really start looking at, you know, the biochemistry from a functional cellular standpoint. I mean, that's, like I said, it's a game changer, you know? Yeah. Awesome. Well, final question for you. What are you most grateful for today? Probably, honestly, probably the weather. Yeah. Where <laughs> yeah. You- I, I, I'm here in Colorado. And Colorado. Can, oh man. I'm totally yeah, jealous. And it's, <laughs> I mean, October in Colorado, it doesn't that sounds get great. better, you know. And We're we in Colorado, Denver, or we? I'm in Fort Collins, so an oh, hour north of Denver. Yeah. Um, and we've had some bad, bad wildfires, so it's been smoky, and that just kind of has dissipated now. And you got the, I mean, mid October, cool, crisp, leaf changing weather. It's um, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> I'm in Phoenix, so pretty much nothing has changed since the summer. <laughs> <laughs> You've got summer and February. Yeah, it might. Yeah, somewhere in February. That's pretty much it. So, hey, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. I I think this has been, God, this is a treasure trove of information. So, I'm super happy to uh, share it with everybody. Well, thanks for having me, Tudor. All right, all right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with my friend, Nicole. Man, what an episode. So much information. I hope you were taking notes. I certainly was. You know, I hope it served you. I hope it helped you in your own journey toward living an aligned life. You know, aligning your body is the, the first step of, of everything else. If your body's in alignment, then you have energy. You can have focus. It's easier to practice gratitude. It's easier to take all that action on your goals and, you know, make your vision come to life and all that stuff. So it all starts with health. You know, I use SpectraCell regularly with myself and with the people that I coach and work with. So if you need any help implementing this stuff into your life, uh, don't be afraid to reach out. Just send me an email, tutor at 
danceoflife.com. Again, you can find out more information about the test, spectracell.com. And other than that, let's remember the quote by Dr. Weston A. Price. Life in all its fullness is Mother Nature obeyed. You know, when alignment is present, movement is natural. I say this all the time. And this is the key. When we can learn how to act preventively, how we can support nature in doing what it does best, you know, we can help the body restore its alignment and let it do the healing naturally. That's what it's all about. So hope you've enjoyed this episode. Hope it's given you a ton of great info, at least one thing, I'm sure. And hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Tune in on Tuesday. We're going to do a little Transformation Tuesday on how to start a podcast. If you ever wondered about starting a podcast, you know, adding it to your brand or you know, business, whatever, you want to start it with your friends. Friday, I interview Jeremy Slate. He's a top podcaster and entrepreneur who helps other people start podcasts and uh, helps them be successful in that area. So really excited to pick his brain about some of the strategies and things he's learned over the course of, you know, I don't know how many episodes he's done. I think seven, 800, 900 with his podcast. So he's interviewed some of the top people in the world. A lot of great info in that episode. If you're curious about starting a podcast or if you want to learn more about podcasting, it's an up and coming thing. It still hasn't peaked. So now's your chance. Go for it. Until then, remember guys, life is a dance. So go out there and dance it well. For more inspiration, free resources, and bonus content, stay connected at danceoflife.com.